Welcome in again to the third episode of the Bald, Bold, and Gold podcast. I am Alex Donovan, joined, as always, by Ian Waller and Tom Slevin. We have a great show for you guys today. First and foremost, I want to thank all of you for listening. Obviously, you know, this is a work in progress since we started. We're going to take every week and just try to get you know, 1% better. Try to give you guys a better listening experience. Because uh, I'm sure many of you guys, the same as we are, having two perfect fall Saturdays without Irish football makes you want to pull your hair out. But... Here on Ball, Bold, and Gold, we're not going to shame you for having a little bald spot. So today, uh, we're going to take a look around the country before recapping the 52-0 victory over South Florida. We're going to try to figure out what's going on with the postponement and all the ramifications that come from the coronavirus outbreak on the team. And then finally, thank you all for submitting questions, whether about Notre Dame football or not. We will try to get to those, and then we'll give our picks for the week. So, with that being said, last week was a lot like the previous week in college football. There wasn't a ton going on, no true marquee matchups. But were there any games that stuck out to you guys especially? Um, I thought, you know, we mentioned, Slevin had mentioned that uh, the Big 12 in week one just took an an absolutely brutal, brutal hit. Um, They had some tough losses there. And then besides Oklahoma, their other darling was Oklahoma State, and they – Narrowly avoided an upset from Tulsa. That game was was a twenty three some spread um, and ended sixteen seven. And Tulsa was hanging in it. So if you're an Oklahoma State fan, that does not look good. If you're a Big Twelve fan, that also does not look good. So I think that kind of fur- further solidifies that Oklahoma is going to run away with that conference and not really be tested throughout. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think that was one of the games I was going to highlight as well. Uh, you got to take into account that so, that was uh, Spencer Sanders or Saunders. Uh, went down early. The Oklahoma State quarterback was was out pretty early, um, but they looked they looked it didn't look it up front for them on, on on the offensive line. He had the best running back in the country, and he did almost nothing on Saturday, so that was troubling. But I think the game I lo- I looked at and kind of kind of one of the games I enjoyed most on the day was uh, UCF and Georgia Tech. Um, I had two main takeaways from that: uh, the kid, the quarterback from UCF, the kid Dylan Gabriel can ball. Like I think he's he's legit. I think he's going to be a real contender. Uh, for some for some hardware for some hardware at the end of the year, um, I also think I'd also think that it it reflected well on Georgia Tech. I think that although I'm not going to say that UCF is going to get a playoff spot, I thought Georgia, Georgia Tech hung in there pretty tough against against a really good UCF team. Um, and you yeah, know, maybe, that, game, that game was closer than the score. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and I think maybe it, it, it I think it helps kind of bolster their 
their win against Florida State too, that maybe it wasn't just all about how bad Florida State was, but I think it could be a little bit about how good Georgia Tech was. I, and I was this one specific shout out was Jameer Gibbs, their running back. He was a uh, freshman running back. Kid was a stud. He was uh, he was he was very difficult to bring down. He was he was definitely a highlight for for Georgia Tech on Saturday. Yeah, I think the funniest thing for me, obviously, you guys cover kind of the two of the main games other than there were the spread in the Clemson Citadel game was 49 and a half. Clemson went up 49 zero at halftime then failed to score in the second half. So sorry. How does that that happen? How does that happen? How are you so dominant against a team with your first team and then not fail to score in the second half? Did I hear that? Did I hear that Dabo wanted to run the clock in the second half and the Citadel coach said no? (laughs) Oh, that would have been, Awesome. I'm that pretty is, sure I heard that. That, that the there's no, there's no quit. The there's no, no quit in the Citadel coach. He wants those reps. Hell yeah, the best in the country. Uh, but other than that, I thought Miami was impressive. I mean, at least they surprised me. Either it's that or Louisville's defense is just pretty bad. Louisville's defense might be that bad, but I mean Miami finally has a competent quarterback at the helm. Um, yeah. that's, that's why Tate Martell set out. Cause he's, he's not getting snaps at all, but Derek King can ball. We know that we knew that at Houston. Um, but he didn't really get tested all that much at Houston and now he's in, he's in power five play and he's a beast. Yeah. I thought he looked really good. And then just like in addition to that, I think, I think it was a, it was a bit of a moving day for the ACC as yeah. a whole. I thought you thought teams like Miami, um, and Pitt. And BC and NC State, like those are the four that kind of stuck up to me as teams that were moving on up. While I thought teams like Duke and Florida State, even though they didn't play, uh, with you know, uh, with more COVID concerns like that, and Syracuse, all kind of, I kind of saw them sliding down the board towards towards the bottom. But it was kind of, it was, it was refreshing to see some teams that I didn't necessarily expect pop up and, and have good weeks, uh, especially like a team like BC. Watching that um, Miami Louisville game, I I wish Louisville was on our schedule. That'd be a fun team to play. Or sorry, Miami was on our schedule. That'd be a fun game, yeah. fun team to play. Because I mean, it looks I'd like agree. they could at least keep up with us a little bit offensively. So I, I think it'd be they'd be another good team to have on the schedule. So I wish you're playing them. Um, one other game that I watched that maybe a lot of people didn't because it was it was a late night game was the NC State Wake Forest game to get ready for yep. um, the upcoming Wake game. And that that was a fun game to watch. I don't know how great a football team they, those teams are, but both of them have talent on the field. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they could ever keep up with the big boys, just in terms of um, all three phases of the game. But they do have talent at the skill positions, and they're good football teams. I think both those teams you'll see hanging around in games that you didn't necessarily expect them to hang around. Yeah, in. yeah. I don't know if it'll necessarily translate to wins, but they will hang no. around and, and surprise a lot of people. I agree. Yep, I think that's kind of a good quick recap of everything that went on around the country. So moving on to the Irish fifty-two-zero. Game was more or less over in the first quarter. Ian, what the hell were you doing picking South Florida to cover? I not I didn't underestimate Notre Dame. I underestimated how bad of a football team South Florida was. I, the first drive of the game, I was just like, God damn. I mean, I was I was knew I was an idiot right from the start. I, like I just wanted to. I got no words. I was I'm done. I'm done. Fade me for the rest of the year. Not agree. You guys cannot let me off the hook for that for a couple of weeks. No, and definitely no. Not. I think that's going to be held over your head for quite some time. I when mean, we go through I, the picks later. I might switch some just so I'm fading you. 
Yeah, exactly. As soon as you just have, as soon as you just have faked the punt and their wide receiver got caught by our, our D end, I was just like, you know what? These guys hey, don't belong. They don't belong on the field. You know what? I'll also say this though before we before we go right into the Notre Dame game, I'll cut you some slack because you missed on the USF Notre Dame game. But God, did you bury me in the Georgia State? Dude, I was uh, a big Georgia Lafayette game. Yeah, but again, I made the my COVID analytics came too close to home because one of my picks mm-hmm. was postponed. Um, so I got to be careful with those. And then the, I, I almost, you guys got lucky on the over, the over hit with like a minute left. On oh, yeah, down. We went for it on fourth down. Like in, in the last, we just needed one score. We needed a field goal in the last 20 minutes of the game. For it I was pretty pumped. Still, it was, I it was, was pretty tight. pumped. I guess that, I just at least could have salvaged some sort of dignity, but. And you almost got off the hook because Dormus is a field goal early in the game. Yeah. Early in the yeah. Game. Mm-hmm. So. All right. So let's go and we'll give our usual grades. We probably won't spend as much time. We think the year, there's just not going to be a lot of controversy. So starting out with Ian Book, I'll I'll, I'll just start out here. Uh, I'll give him a B for this one. There really just wasn't much he needed to do. Would have loved to take a couple more shots downfield, but in all honesty, I think you know he was able to score on one yard QB sneaks, uh, whether that's his credit or the centers and guards. But other than that, I think he played fine. Didn't look elite. Didn't throw four touchdowns like Trevor Lawrence did. Yeah. Um. Again, Don, I think you're working the different scale because I mean, just because your accounting test is easy doesn't mean you shouldn't get a hundred. You know. I mean, I think it was an easy test, but he did everything he needed to do. Got the ball to, to playmakers. Um. Was pretty efficient. And then I mean, it was, it's nice to see him rush for three touchdowns, even though two of those came from an inch outside the end zone. Uh, but it's just one of those games like he he should be making a push for the Heisman in one of those games. That's why it's not an A-plus for me. He should be making a push for the Heisman in one of those games. I don't know if Reese isn't letting him because he wants to get um, more reps at the running back position. But, uh, I mean, he, he did everything he needed to do. Can't really ask for a ton more. He won 52 or nothing. So. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to give him a B-plus, um, and I'm going to go I just, 12 for 19. For 144 is nothing to really write home about. No touchdowns, no interceptions though either. Um, again, I thought he managed. He thought he did. He, he played the Ian Book role. He he kind of managed the game. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I was there was nothing that I was absolutely thrilled about. But three three touchdowns on the ground was good. And and to kind of he looked really good in the first drive. The offense looked super good in the opening drive. And for him to kind of cap it off by by running it in was also pretty. Uh, was also nice. Which I I think I think it's uh. I think it's good to see him efficient from the start. You know, we, like last week we saw a struggle for the first quarter and a half. It's nice to actually see us come out firing against the team we should be able to score on. Yeah, Ian, I thought you brought up a good point in that I don't think Tommy Reese has really wanted to open. Like we're complaining there's no deep shots. I think part of it is we just don't really want to open up the playbook. You know, USF's head coach was Jeff Scott. He's definitely still tight with Dabo over at Clemson. You know, we really didn't show them anything in our play, but we didn't need to, obviously. And I think that's a good thing because that way he won't pass that information on. All right, then moving on, we have running back position. Irish rushed for over 280 yards. Three running backs are able to find the end zone. Funny enough, Kyron Williams was not one of them. But overall, I gave them an A minus, even though it was a dominating performance. I think we fumbled the ball three times. And even though they were kind of in the middle of the field, I just don't like seeing running backs putting the ball on the ground. Overall, it's something that 
you know, stressing me out. We were able to get them. But over the last few years when Oshry Denson was a running back coach, no name, I think, fumbled the ball only a few times. I don't know if Josh Adams really even fumbled his whole career. But that's just something I'd like to see get cleaned up. Overall, the backs were great. Rarely saw them go down on first contact. So, uh, Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll actually, I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them more of a B. Uh, I agree with you with those fumbles. Those just should never, those should not happen against USF. Um, gotta, I mean, cause you weren't really battling all too hard for extra yards. Uh, I'm going to give them a B. Yes. The numbers were good, but I think a lot of that was, they were, they were running through some gaping holes, which we'll get into. Um, but they did what they need to do. But if we lost on those fumbles, you might be talking about a little bit different performance grade for them. So I'm going to go with a B. Maybe the first time I've ever given people a harder grade than Dono. Uh, I'm going to go A-. minus. I thought that um, – I think one of the, one stat that kind of stood out to me was the combo of Williams-Tyreen. One is the three, kind of three-headed monster there. Uh, they carried they carried an 8.2-yard per carry clip, which is like which is pretty pretty big. That's, that's, that's running the damn ball for sure. Um, and yes, they had some big help in the offensive line, but for them to, for them to put in as many times as they did, um, was, was great. And I also, you know, the, the fumbling as you guys both, both addressed, I thought it was troubling, but not the end of the world. Hopefully it's just something you get cleaned up in practice and kind of just keep an extra eye on it. Cause I think other teams, better teams can capitalize on the ball being on the ground. USF, maybe not, but other teams in the future can, but I, I'll give them an A minus. I thought they looked really good, and, and to have to have three different running backs score, except your and, and not even your best one get in the end zone. I think that's that's pretty cool. I thought it was good to get everybody a lot of touches. Yep, for sure. Then, uh, so next is the position that we had the biggest question marks after week one. I think we didn't really do anything to change it. I don't think we needed to, but it's a receiver position. I started off. You know, it was nice seeing. Lindsey get some touches early. We did hit him on a quick jet sweep. Nothing major there. I think he had like five or six yards. But overall, I thought it was C, C-plus performance. I didn't see anyone running free. I think McKinley did fair job blocking again. But once again, it was, it was a performance that didn't make me too confident in the position going forward again. Didn't really see much improvement. Yeah, I'd, uh, I would say that they did improve from week one. I found that rewatching some of the game, I thought that they got better separate, a lot better separation um, than they did against Duke. It still wasn't anything crazy good, but I thought they they, they were they they found themselves to be open a little bit more um, too. But I, I and again again, I think they blocked well too. McKinley was McKinley's been great on the perimeter, um, blocking, taking on some of the uh, some of the corners. Uh, some of the smaller defensive backs uh, that he just has an absolute size advantage over. So I, I'll give him a B. Uh, I think they blocked well, got better separation. I think they're an improvement from last week. Nothing, nothing huge, but did slight improvement from last week. So I'll go with a B. Hope, hope that they can keep that rolling and, and continue to improve little by little. Yeah, I'll go with a B. It was good to have Brandon Lindsay back. I think there's more of an indication of just kind of the offense that we're going to run. Uh, I think our wide receivers and just the whole unit is going to be more of a situational unit this year. I think we're going to be a, a running team first and foremost, and then our wide receivers are going to need to come up big in big spots. Um, I don't know if Tommy Reese is really going to rely on them to generate all that much offense besides some blocking, but McKinley did, again, spark a, a huge block on the outside to spark the uh, the SIBO touchdown run. So, I mean, they, they do their job well, uh, but I, I want to expect more from them, but I just don't know if we should expect more from them, and I just think we should limit our expectations for it for what we're going to be as an offense going forward with them. So I'll go B. 
I agree. I think limiting expectations is, is, is a good call on that group. Yeah. And honestly, I am with you guys there is that we not, may not need the receivers if the tight end position is going to be this good. I mean, we've been watching Notre Dame for a long time, and I know it's two games against Duke and South Florida, but I can't remember a time where there's been a position group, at least on offense, that's been this deep with this many weapons that can do not only catching the ball, but running the ball, setting the edge on touchdown runs. I mean, Tommy Tremble has been getting love all over Twitter from college football guys, NFL guys. You can line him up anywhere. This was... I gave the tight ends an A. I didn't see much wrong. The only thing holding them back from an A-plus was like, I don't know, one of them taking the drag route and taking 80 yards for a touchdown. There wasn't a ton of explosiveness there, but obviously didn't need it. These guys were awesome. All right. Well, I learned a little bit something about myself this week. Um, Some people's love language is communication, words of affirmation, gift-giving, but my love language is having Tommy Tremble as our lead blocker. So lining him up at at fullback or getting him out on on an, on the outside like the um, was a Jafar touchdown run where it was a pitch to Jafar and he just absolutely annihilated a defensive back as the lead blocker. It is awesome to see, and that is something that that really excites me. Um, but then you also know you have Michael Mayer in your back pocket, but getting Tommy Tremble involved in the receiving game was big. He made a, an awesome catch down the sideline, got his foot down. Yeah, these guys are going to be great and, and key for our offense going forward the whole year. So, hey. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm giving them an A as well. I think we I think we just locked it up for for an A for an A grade for the for the tight ends, which is good. Um, I thought they, I for me it was yes, Tommy Tremble was great. He was all over the field. He got a carry. He had a few receptions. I thought I thought he looked good in the receiving game, but just the blocking overall, man, they were they are awesome. I mean, we have we have five really good linemen, and especially with the two tackles on either, on either end, those those guys are studs. But to have the tight ends who can help seal the edge, or in the case of Tommy Tremble come in and be a fullback plays play in the fullback spot and 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 pave and pave the way for, for your running backs i think that that's that's really cool to see to see this group of tight ends as skilled as they are continue to block as well as they have um i read something that that i saw i read one of the blogs for the Notre Dame for one of the Notre Dame websites i forget which one it was that they said they thought brock brock Wright had the best blocking game of his entire career um and that's kind of like his main purpose uh, so like that, so that's also kind of reassuring. That's that's also cool here to, to to. I didn't get to watch him as closely as maybe I would have liked, but he uh, he he sounded like he had a really good day blocking too. So I'm going to give him an A. I think they were a big part of part of why the run game is so successful. Mm-hmm. Yep. So up next, we have Pro Football Focus has named us back to back offensive line of the week in college football. That's Hell yeah, they have up front. Oh, the big the big Um. I had an A minus. Um, honestly, it could could have been an A. I, I I'll give them an A. Well, like who am I kidding? But that was it wasn't even close. They weren't touching Ian Book there. I think it was on the first or second drive when he dropped back in the pocket. They had six and a half seconds to throw the ball. That's preposterous. And every time moving down the field, their D line was giving getting driven eight nine yards downfield down near the goal line. This was. Another situation that I've loved about this Irish team thus far, there hasn't been a ton of situations, especially against good teams. But anytime you have a yard to go, three yards to go, four yards to go even, they're getting it done up front. There's nothing to worry about. The twos came in, did a damn good job as well. Uh, yeah, I'll give the O-line an A. 
Those are your boys, Slav. It's all you. Uh, they're also getting an A in my book. I thought they looked great. 280 plus yards rushing. They only allowed one 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 QB hurry, uh, which is also pr- pretty good. Book stayed off the ground. Um, I think that six seconds to throw the ball was pretty indicative of how much they dominated, especially the passing game. Um, and like you mentioned to start, I think it, there's there's certainly something to be said. You know, I don't know how much you want to put in in analytics, but I'll put a fair stock in the fact that. I really trust pro football focuses grades and for them to be consecutive offensive lines of the week um, as, and the top one in the country right now um, and not really be close. Uh, I, I thought they looked freaking unbelievable. And also I'll say this, one of the things we were worried about in week in the, in the first game was that they, we they didn't really seem to be getting the push that we, we would hoped we would have hoped. I think that they were getting this really solid push. They were firing off the ball well and, and, and getting and pushing two or three yards back before, before we were even getting going in a play. So I'll get, I'm, they're certainly getting an A in my book. Yeah, Slav, you mentioned it, that uh, I, I'm pretty sure Dono just said he thinks he knows more about offensive line play than pro football focus. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say that I do, so I'm going to go with an A because uh, I trust our guys over at PFEFF. But uh, Dono, you might know more than that. Prove me wrong. Oh No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying <laughs> that. My scale is different than the one they use. My scale is pretty much all based off what's going to happen when, you know, Brian Brees for Clemson's lining up against you. Like, he's not the bum South Florida's putting out there. It's different. But I, I, like think, that, I think that's a good scale. It's just not as fun. Just quick question. Quick question. <laughs> if we had, so we go, four rushing the passer, all Alex Donovan's, how many seconds does Ian Book have to pass? Uh not getting through up the middle. <laughs> what if you run like a hard stunt? You run a hard stunt and you fool Hainsey. I mean, then let's be honest. Tommy Kramer is the same size. He was a freshman year in high school. He's been doing the same things. I'm getting Tommy Kramer drilling my ear hole and helmets flying off <laughs> I'm on the ground. I, get, I bet you get there in 11 seconds. I, I think if Ian Book's backpedaling straight back, if he's terrified – uh, I think I could run straight up field faster than those guys could backpedal, maybe get to them. That's the only way. I, I, I think I believe in you, D. I think you got it. Yeah. All right. You guys want to move on to defense? Yeah, let's uh, let's hit some D let's hit some defense. Okay. Uh D line, you know, Riley Mills, Ian's freshman the watch, led the guy. My guy. Got him on campus. On the D line. Um once again, I think when there's when you hold your opponent to zero points, honestly, they did not threaten the first team guys out there. Uh, I'm going to give them another A. They've been really good this year. When you know South Florida threw for 125 yards, it's not great by any means. A lot of that came against the backups. And that's because we got pressure. Campus. So uh, I think we're he, strong against Iran as well. Especially the first rounder in the league, we can remember who brought him here. Uh, but th- they're fun to watch. Isaiah Foskey. Yeah, this guy's, I mean, like a quarterback's got to be so, so freaking good. I love him. Pretty, pretty freaking scared with just like the absolute <laughs> platoons coming at you. Like they're they're not gassed. They're just ready to go. I mean, that, that I'll go, you know, I'll go A plus for this group because somebody's got to earn an A plus sure in a 52 nothing game. So I'll go A plus. So what's the grade? The line is, is something special. It should be for some. For some years to come, it was like it was awesome to see some of that. <laughs> um, I, I will take credit for sure. that. Mills being all right. I'm gonna give him an uh, I'm gonna give him an A minus. 
Um, and uh, the only reason I've, I was it was great to see young guys get in and get uh, get plenty of time um, and just really show how how why this is the deepest group probably on the football team. Um, I really enjoyed that, and to get Foskey and the German um, the German kid's name I, I don't know how to say his la- his last name Alexander Aaronsberger. Aaronsberger, right? Aaronsberger. To have get them both sacks uh, was 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 pretty cool. Uh, the only reason I'm knocking them down from an A to an A minus is I would have liked to have seen. I don't think they played bad at all, but I would have liked to have seen Ot. I would have liked to have seen Ade and Dalen find their way onto the stat sheet again. I don't think they played well. I don't think they played bad at all. I thought they played pretty well, but um, for somebody who was very high on their sack yeah. total to start the to start the season, it would have been nice to have seen them see them pick up the sacks but that's, that's my only no that's fair i mean really i thought they played really well those are supposed to be your guys and and, and that's okay if they're not especially when you get the production elsewhere but i would like we to need to get them. we need to get, get them the statue sure. and then moving on i think next group this was the group where i think we had the high the most surprising performance and i guess you could say that both ways uh jack kaiser he was called to step in after both maris lufau and shane simon were declared out like pretty much right before the game and uh, came in, led the team in tackles, eight total, seven solos, two tackles for loss. Thought he came in played great. But on the other side, uh, I don't think Wu played that well, especially, you know, he won the ball beauty of the week last week. He only had one tackle. Would have liked them to see him fly around the field, make a few more plays. Uh, didn't see a ton out of Drew White. But overall, I thought it was solid performance, not great out of our linebackers. Give them a B plus. They didn't really make a ton of mistakes. Yeah, that group, um, they're very good. Also, they're deep. Um, I thought Jack Kaiser was awesome. It is an awesome story. Um, I'm going to give my uh, my Ian's Intelligence Award of the Week. Uh, I'm going to give this to a football guy who uh, who's shown high football IQ or made a good play or had a, had a good game. All right, I'm going to give my Ian's Intelligence of the Week award to Jack Kaiser because this dude came in, found out he was starting on Saturday, was playing on the scout team for the entire week of practice. He was running USF's defense until the day of the game, not even though he was going to get snaps, and then came in and ran Notre Dame's defense perfectly. Seven tackles, um, game ball for the team. I mean, an awesome story, kid from Indiana, and uh, – that that this award has to go to him because I, I mean I think it's probably really hard to do to run another team's defense for an entire week and then come in and run our defense perfectly. So Ian's intelligence award of the week goes to Jack Kaiser. Great game, kid. Do it again. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'm going to give the group on the whole an A minus. Uh, I thought they played really well and it was it was good again to see some depth that I didn't necessarily know we had right off the bat. Um, Kaiser looked unbelievable. I think if if there was one headline that you could have that you could have put out for this game, it was that this could have been the Jack Kaiser show. Um, again, like this, those, the the stats you guys mentioned, eight tackles and two for a loss are are, are, are pretty good numbers for somebody who found out they were starting on Saturday morning, um, a few hours before the game. Um, again, just just happy to see, just happy to see the depth. I didn't think they played a perfect game, but it was good. The the surprise in the depth and the surprise from Jack Kaiser was good enough to give them a. To give them a minus grade in my book, I think I agree with that. I think linebacker is a position that we won't really know what we have until we play one of the better teams on our schedule. When we get through this uh, Florida State game, then really move into the meat of the schedule. 
But I think the same can also be said with the secondary. You know, Nick McLeod, he's still, according to Kelly, nursing that shoulder injury, only played 14 snaps, played really well in those 14 snaps. But we saw a lot of the young guys, there were a few mistakes. Sean Crawford, for the second week in a row, missed a tackle in the hole that led to the other team's biggest play of the game. Uh, I think that's something that he has to clean up as a sixth-year player. You know, it's tackling he's been doing. He's been really solid throughout his career. But other than that, I thought coverage was good. I think Clarence Lewis almost yeah. had a pick, had a few other He was awesome. He really Yeah, I think that was, it was great to see him. Uh, Cam Hart, he had a few mistakes. Yeah. But overall, I'll give the secondary. I think we'll just loop them all in together because there really weren't any you know, huge differences between corners and safeties. Uh, I'll give the secondary B-plus performance for this game. Yeah, I'll go to B. Uh, I'm with you. Sean Crawford, dude. Like, six-year player. Come on now. Time to get right. Uh, but I thought Clarence Lewis was awesome. I mean, his coverage was great, and then his ball skills and the balls in the air was, I mean, really encouraging to see from a kid his age. So uh, he's uh, he was he was a good, big surprise for me this week. Uh, and then the safeties, I, I almost I want to see a little bit more of Isaiah Pryor because um, if we're gonna if we're gonna make some big plays, I feel like he could be a hard hitter guy. They may, they may have moved. Uh... They may have moved him to Rover. They, they, I mean, he's a big dude, and he, he plays very physical, so I would not be surprised. Um, but we, we, we do have options there, but nobody really, really stood out to me. Again, because our, my, like we were watching Kyle Hamilton play every, every week, so uh, we got some stuff there. It's, it's nice. I think we'll for sure get him back for Florida State. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I expect Kyle Hamilton to be – I think he would have played this week. Um, I think he'll for sure be ready to play against Florida uh, against Florida State. But uh, I'm going to give the group a B, uh, a B plus. Actually, um, I didn't think that they did anything that poorly. I just didn't see a lot. Uh, I didn't see uh, a lot of things that were that great. Again, Crawford struggling was not worrisome. Uh, not the end of the world. But I, you know, it's just, he's too late in his career to be making silly mistakes like that. Uh, but it was good to see the young guys having fun, um, having fun and getting some snaps. Um, especially Cam Hart uh, last few drives there. Um, get getting a stop on the stop in the end zone. He looked. He seemed to be having a blast. So I'll give that group a. Uh, I'll give that group a, uh, a B plus. Yep. Going back to Crawford, he's one of those guys that will need to play against clubs because if it's ETN hitting that crease, we're not chasing him down. No, you're not catching him. Deep, deep in the end zone. So you know, hopefully that by November, that's routine play for him. All right. Finally, special teams. Uh, I think. Return game for me, fine. Defensive special teams on the return. I'm going to give them B plus because John Dora missed a kick. There wasn't uh, you know, on there. All right, I know you guys. Uh, seems there's already some dissenting going on, so I'll let my B plus. I'm, I'm gonna go. Sit. I'm gonna go. You guys. I'm gonna go B plus as well. John Dora made the kick. This had nothing to do with Notre. I mean, okay, the Isaiah Foskey tackle on the South Florida fake punt, great play. Again, I love Isaiah Foskey. Um, nobody was fooled by that fake punt. Not even Tony Dungy. Nobody was fooled. <laughs> You're not punting it from the 35 against the number seven team in the country. You're just not doing it. Nobody was fooled at all. Um, this South, this or this special teams segment is going to go solely to how bad the South Florida special teams um, unit was. So, Slevin, do you want to go first and come back to me, or can I go on a roll here? No, I think you're pretty hot. I'd rather I'd rather see you go. I, I this is pretty much all about. Trent Schneider, the 30-year-old punter for USF. First of all, first of all, you're garbage, dude. 
He's 30 year old <laughs> from Australia. Maybe go back to Australia and move on with your life. Start a family, settle down because football is not your thing, my guy. You're not catching any type of snaps. You're getting laid out everywhere. You, you're shanking punts all over the place. And I'm reading into his bio a little bit. Yeah, he played rugby in high school. He was also the keeper in high school. Got to be the world's like worst keeper of all time because he can't even catch a snap from 20 <laughs> yards away. So, I mean, if I'm shooting from 40 yards away, that's going in the back of the net for sure. This guy is terrible. I just want to know his life goal. Like, where is he going from here? Like, what's his next step? Is he going back to Australia? Is he going to, you know, open up a open up a gym in, in South Florida? I, I, what, Trent, what's your plan here? Because you are terrible at football, and there is no future for you. See, I wouldn't be as hard on him. I think it's more on the long snapper. Those, those, those were two that are over his head. I'm, but I it just that we yeah, the. What is he doing out there? I'm just so confused. Like, it, you're not – Do you want to know a fun yeah, fact? He was older than both offensive dude, coordinators dude. in this game. They could probably fact. punt better than him too. It's like when Batello hit him and I like saw him, I was like, oh, I feel bad for him. Then I forget. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. He's in the prime of his life right now, choosing to play football in Indiana yeah. and just getting wrecked. Go surf in Australia, dude. See the Great Barrier Reef before it's gone. Do something else. <sighs> <laughs> awesome. That, that was great. Um, I didn't do as much research into punters as, as maybe Ian did. Uh, yeah, I think that's got to be those those snaps and and lack of catches have to be that has to be equal share because um, the long snapper certainly didn't yeah, do many he, favors right, either. Um, I and for me, I'm gonna keep going on my overhyping special teams train. I give him an A minus. Um, I uh, I thought that the block the block kick. Followed by a touchdown from Batello was was sweet. Foskey sn- sniffing out, not, Foskey and everybody else in the stadium <laughs> sniffing out the fake punt. Uh, with Foskey landing on landing on the punter on the pseudo punter was pretty cool. Um, I was happy about that. Um, and then the only, the only thing I knocked them on, I thought they played a pretty solid game. The only thing I knocked them on was the return game was fine, nothing good, nothing great. Um, and Door missing a field goal. Um, but other than that, a minus for sure. I thought they played pretty well. It was fun. To, it was fun. To, it was fun to score special teams touchdowns, no matter when when they happen in the game and, and, and who. That hasn't by. happened in a while. I mean, like, right. it has not happened in a while. So his name is uh, Trent Schneider, Sydney, New South Wales, and Australia. I'm gonna try to keep tabs on this guy. <laughs> he's a senior. He's graduating. You know, by the time we're playing USF again, whenever we have the next two games with them in the series. Wait, uh, actually, Trent Schneider. I'm pretty sure Trent Schneider. He worked construction for a couple of years, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, no, uh, he's 30 years old and worked construction for eight years before becoming a collegiate punter. He also enjoys carpentry. Maybe go back to carpentry, my man. He's probably making some chairs and doing some fun stuff over there in Australia. Do you miss your family, Trent? <laughs> Jesus. Well, think of it. He went to Tampa. He's probably saying, like, oh, I'll sign up on the football team, maybe find, like, you know, a 22 year old wife. Yeah, I mean, midlife crisis if I've ever seen one now. Middle of Florida and have some kids out there. He was was a a fun story to to check up on because, well, he actually went to Santa Barbara City College in 2016. So he's academically inclined as well. There we go. All right. Let's give him some words out, yeah? Yep, I'm going to get my bald head of the week or bald beauty. Whatever, it's the same award pretty much. Uh, this one goes to Tommy Tremble. He was physical, ran the ball, caught the ball, 
put people on their ass the whole game. Only three receptions, 60 yards, didn't really need any more than that from him. Did what he was asked to do and then some. Uh, I think he put himself into some All-American conversations in tight end in terms of what he can do in terms of being a complete tight end. He can do it all. Easy pick for me, Tommy Tremble. Awesome. I think it's a really good I think it's a really good pick. Um I'll be giving out the big fellow of the week award. Um and for me, uh this was an easy easy pick for me. I'll give it out to Liam Eikenberg, Morrissey alum. Um he uh yeah, throw up the M's, right? Uh he uh he's the top rated offensive lineman on the top rated O line in the country. Uh, that says something. He's the only he's the only offensive lineman in the country to receive a grade over eighty five in both pass and run protection. Um, from Pro Football Focus, only one in the country that says something as well. Um, he didn't give up, he didn't give up a, a QB pressure all day. I thought he looked really good. I think he's continuing to help his draft stock. I don't think anybody who rushed against Liam came even remotely close to touching Ian Buck. Um, so for sure, lock it up, uh, Liam Eikenberg, big fell of the week. That's a that's and and a B plus grade from Donna. So. Can't get much better from Eichenberg. I gave them an A. A minus. <laughs> but not, the more I thought about it, like could have talked through it. We talked through it. All right, so let's move on. Uh, this is the part where we usually transition into previewing next week's game. Dun, but dun, dun. unfortunately, the uh, the game as of uh, was it? Yeah, yesterday, Tuesday afternoon was postponed, and it wasn't rescheduled for October 3rd when both teams had buys. It was rescheduled for December 12th. My first reaction to that is, honestly, I'm very thankful that the ACC decided to start when they did and allowed themselves some flexibility in the schedule. We're still going to get the game in. We're still going to have 11 regular season games. Um, but overall, you know, I think this just sucks. And just personally, I think my favorite one-month stretch of weather throughout the year is – last two weeks of September and first few weeks of October. I think that's just my perfect weather. And we're going to miss, even though we can't tailgate or anything, two perfect fall Saturdays without the Irish. Haven't had that in a while. I don't know. That's just my initial thoughts. We can dig into this more. Yeah, it's, it's a bummer. Um, I was I was in a dark place yesterday. I was like, season's over. There's no way they can control this. It's just going to keep spreading. Um, but I've, I've slowly come off the ledge. I'm with you. The wiggle room that the ACC afforded itself is nice. Um, mostly what I'm thinking though is is this is just the college football season that we live in right now. That's it's it's gonna happen. Um and I'm just hoping that they were well prepared for it to happen. Um Notre Dame, I hope they did the right thing as soon as they realized it was an outbreak and shut it down enough that it's feasible to practice in a week or two. Um but again, I we we had to expect this. I don't know why it was such a surprise to me, but I I'm hoping that the proper protocols were in place to take care of this and then advance safely. But there are repercussions to this. I mean, FSU just can't, or USF just canceled their game against AFU, FAU this weekend because of the outbreak in Notre Dame. So it's just a new college football season that we're, we're going to have to deal with, and I hope it doesn't get worse. I mean, when I look at this, Donna, you just talked about the Reds up 6-1s. Congrats to uh, all the Cincy fans right now. But uh, the MLB thought it, I mean, the MLB was in bad spot with the Cardinals outbreak, the Marlins outbreak earlier, and they were able to handle it and move on. So I'm hoping that's a little bit what we see in college football. Celeb, sorry for the long-winded answer. Um, what are your thoughts here? No, I appreciate hearing you guys hearing hearing what you guys have to think as well. Uh, I think for me, um, I was pretty upset yesterday as well. Uh, I was like like Donald mentioned. I think that there's four prime weeks a year. 
um, for me as well. It's those last two in September, first two, first two in October, and those are the best days uh, to get outside and watch some football, um, regardless of where you are. So that was pretty upsetting to hear that that we're going to be missing. We're not going to have football this weekend or the, or the weekend of October 3rd. Um, but I think my next reaction was kind of like, I, I hope that this is a nice kind of, you know, kind of slap in the face that, that the entire camp, that the entire campus got in August, um, when the entire campus shut down and nobody was like, basically South Bend was in lockdown, um, because there was a COVID outbreak on campus. It was, I think once you get over that initial hump of the initial outbreak, it, everybody kind of comes back to reality and realizes that this is super serious and, and you need to take all the protocols super seriously. You need to follow all the rules. You can see that the numbers the numbers for students in at Notre Dame have gone down dramatically and have stayed very very flat uh, next to nothing. So I'm just kind of hoping this is a nice little wake up call for, for the team as well. Um, that when these protocol these protocols are put in place for a reason that they and that they should be followed. Um, one thing one thing swirling around the rumor mill um, that uh, that was that was brought up by somebody to me or to a group of us was that somebody 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 lacking traits could have played a role in this. And now I think we have a better idea of what those, what, what was meant by traits. So I'm just hoping that, that those, that those who that was targeted at kind of clean up their act and, and understand that there's, there's a bigger goal here. Um, we can't be afford, we can't afford to be losing football games, uh, especially on a tight schedule as well. Um, my third point would be that something you guys both mentioned, I definitely appreciated the ACC getting everything they had to um, getting everything done that they had to, to get the season started on time um, and to get it started when they did uh, allowing the flexibility is super important. Um, the fact that we can still flex a game to, to the, to the second week in December and still be on track to play championship the third week of December is, is pretty, is pretty cool. I think that's good stuff. So. Yep. And I like to, even though my grades are low for the Irish compared to you guys, I still like to look on the bright side of things. If anything, I think, Right now, football activities have been postponed for the meantime, so Notre Dame is not practicing. But even when there's still, you know, this time in isolation, I'm hoping that players are meeting, whether it's over Zoom or whatever, with their position coaches, Tommy Reese and Clark Lee, and they're looking at film. You know, I'm sure Clemson really hasn't shown anything, but there's a lot more take. Louisville's had close games. Pitt the same way. There's definitely a time where – you know, if they're not going to be able to take physical reps, they'll take mental reps. Hopefully that's what happens. You see, you know, things that Tommy Reese might not have had in the normal, you know, when you only have five days to prepare for an opponent in that normal time frame to, uh, that he sees things on film that he can exploit. But overall, I think we're all hoping the same thing. One other positive that's out of this, maybe we see Kevin Austin only missed two games this year. Right now, his that's, time a, that's a big positive. Having him back for Florida State, maybe we have him back. It's another thing where we can ease him in, give Kyle Hamilton. Now we're not pressing for him to return, get his ankle fully healthy. You know, there are some positives, I guess, you can take out of this, but overall, you know, we just got to hope that this doesn't get any bigger. That you know, the guys over the next two weeks do the right things. You know, stay out of situations where they can catch it, spread it to others. Um. Yeah, but my last kind of fact on this, the Big Ten's kicking off October 24th. They're playing nine straight games. Notre Dame's going to have their fourth game played yeah. by then. They don't have room for it. They, and they'll, they be kicking off, for it. they'll be kicking off for their fifth. 
So if anyone's worried about, you know, will Notre Dame be able to make a run at the college football playoff still because they're missing games? My answer for that is if they're letting the Big Ten and play, you know, not eight, nine games max and Notre Dame goes through and they end up, you know, if there's something else happens, they only play nine, 10, maybe even you know, 12 is the max right now. I think there's still a lot of leeway, which is, you know, all we can ask for in this kind of season is we just want to see the Irish suit up on Saturdays yeah. as many times. Well, I will say last thing, wait, it does have to be last night, but I don't know if we want to hang on to this for too long, but it is a little frustrating how if you're FAU, USF didn't do anything wrong. Notre Dame, Notre Dame did something wrong, but now FAU isn't playing a game. So there are second, third degrees of separation consequences to this, which, I, again, I hope Notre Dame doesn't have to face. Cause, but you are you are relying – I mean, college football, everybody's relying on each other. So it, it's just a sticky situation that – I mean, Notre Dame, I don't know if we're being ridiculed, but I hope Kelly's getting into him right now because – if it is a lack of traits that led to this, um, that's that's inexcusable, and it's it's selfish, and and it has an effect on the rest of the country. And I, I just hope our games going forward. Now that we've postponed a couple or postponed one at this point, we don't have to postpone anymore because of Louisville's actions or something like that. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think my I have the two final points I'll make is one that that one that D made already is that you just hope that these guys take the opportunity to challenge themselves mentally. Um, they're, they're the sport that they play is quite physically demanding. So to have some, to have, to have an opportunity to get healthy, to rest up um, is a good thing. Um, but I hope that they should, they choose to challenge themselves mentally to be critical on themselves, watching film and to be, and to pay close attention to what other teams around the ACC are doing. Cause, cause that's, um, that's going to be, it's going to be super important. Uh, and it'll be helpful if you go into those games with the with the mental edge. Um, and then the other thing too is that uh, there's something to be said, Don. I think you made this point earlier uh, before we start, before we got going about um, it, it. It will limit the time you have to practice before Florida State fully. You know, like it, it, that that could be a question mark as well um, going into the game. Is you know, it, it does Notre Dame get a full week of practice, full week of contact practice in before before they welcome the Seminoles? I think that's just something to keep an eye on as as well. Um, as we move forward, but yeah, it, it sucks. It sucks that we're not going to get to watch Notre Dame this weekend for sure. Um, that's something that every fall Saturday is. It, every bye week sucks. It sucks when you have to and you have an unexpected one that you didn't necessarily plan for. So hoping we get hopefully we get healthy um, and be ready be ready for when the Knolls come to town in a few weeks. All right, all right. You guys want to get to the fun stuff? Sure, let's do the fun stuff. Yeah. All right. This is our Q&A portion of the podcast. Big shout out to everyone who sent in the questions. Honestly, got more than we expect. Some are related to Notre Dame football. Some aren't. I think we're just going to do a round table here. I'll start, ask a question, and we'll go around. Everyone will answer, and we'll just kind of rotate like that until we kind of get through all the good questions. I guess there's some here that don't make too much sense. Um, <laughs> so I'll start. Uh, this one's from listener Claire Durkin from – uh, the western suburbs of Chicago. Thank you for uh, replying on Twitter, Claire. Who's your guys' favorite current female athlete? Do we have to pick one? I mean, I'm not. I actually, I actually have two. What if we did like so, a top three? No. Yeah, that, that that works. Ah, man, I had I had I had a top. One. All right, all right. You, go, you go through top one. Then. You go all through right, top. Tom. All right, so my top one for sure has always been, will always be yeah. Skylar Diggins. Um, I mean, she's, she's the reason that I kind of started paying attention to Notre Dame women's basketball. 
um, she kind of put Notre Dame on the map for me. Um, and that, um, and that, and that was pretty cool seeing her go to war with Gina Oriama and UConn, uh, a few times a year in the, in the old big East was something that was pretty fun. Um, just, I think some, some important highlight stats to highlight for her, uh, South Bend native first and foremost. Um, so pride, uh, pride, pride South Bend there. Um, two-time All-American, two-time Big East Player of the Year, um, averaged 17 and six as a senior, which is which is not too shabby, uh, 17.6 assists, three Final Fours with two championship appearances. Um, that's not too bad either. Um, and now plays in WNBA for the Phoenix Mercury uh, as a four, and a four-time WNBA All-Star. So I think for sure she is, she is my favorite female athlete, always have, always has been, always will be. Um, new kid on the block though, quietly. Uh, somebody who I also uh, also considered was Sabrina Nescu, um, who I thought I think she's I think her story is really good. I, I like watching her play a lot of Oregon, and now I believe she's playing for for the hometown New York Liberty. So that's good stuff. All right, well I'm gonna go with uh, Naomi Osaka as my number one. I think she is an absolute beast. Um, recent U.S. Open winner. I think she's great, but I don't know if I could no. Actually, I don't know if I can put her number one. Um, I'm going to go with Diana Taurasi in there as well because she's actually dominating WNBA at age 38 and has been for quite some time. And I think probably my number one is going to be um, Arike Ogubawale. She's just got so much Kobe in her and won us a national championship, not single-handedly, but uh, most notably uh, won us a national championship and then had a buzzer beat in the WNBA pretty recently too. So I think she's got a great career in the WNBA and is an awesome athlete. So I'm going to go with Arike. Talk about ice oh water in your veins, man. She's chilly. She that was that was She's awesome. Chilly. That was Easter Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I took a little bit of a different route. Does have a Notre Dame connection, but uh, over quarantine, uh, I found myself very bored, uh, especially in the months of March and April. So what I did, like many others, is I downloaded TikTok, started watching you, TikTok. You. So my favorite female athletes come from TikTok. They are the Cavender twins, Haley and Hannah. They play basketball at Fresno State. And how about this? They were freshmen this year. They were both first team all Mountain West. They're the highest scoring duo of freshmen in the entire country for women's basketball. And not only that, you know, Hannah won freshman player of the year. Haley came in second. Not only that, they led Fresno State to what would have been an NCAA tournament appearance. But their dad, Tom, he played basketball at Notre Dame in the 70s. There you go. Mm-hmm. They were born and raised in South Bend, Indiana, before they moved out west. And the biggest part, in their TikToks, they have a court in their backyard. The logo right under the free throw line. I assume it's at mid-court, too. Let's see go. In a locking mob brand. I've seen that. I've seen them before really on TikTok. Yes. They're pretty they're good, great, too. They have great TikToks, yeah. not only that, but they're also great at basketball. Going to have to go with them as my favorite current athlete. Obviously, you know, there's people who are at the top of their games I really respect. You guys kind of hit on some of the main ones there, but it's kind of mine. All right? Yeah. Shout out to Erkin for a really good question. That was good. Yep. Thank you, Claire. Tom, you want to take the next one? Uh, yeah, where, where do we, where do we want to go? Do we want to check in with how, with how, with how everybody's doing? Uh, yeah, yeah. Who yeah, that was uh, that was Ellie Ellie Olmanson, um, still still in South Bend. Um, she asked the Pod, "How are you guys doing?" Kind of a sa- kind of a sanity check, which was very nice of Ellie. Um, first of all, Ellie, thank you. 
I appreciate you. Um, I know I know you get your manners from Brock, but uh, I'm doing well. <laughs> I have to say, for me, I, the week is all about getting to Wednesday. Once I can get to this pod, rip this pod with you fellas, which is always a great time. And then uh, I've got a beer league softball game tonight at ten, which I'm planning on absolutely ripping the ball. So uh, that, that sounds like a blast. Up. And then uh, then then we're Thursday's basically Friday. Friday's Friday. Then we're on to the weekend. So I'm doing great, Ellie. Thanks for asking. That's a great mindset to have. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Would have loved to have the Irish this Saturday, um, obviously. But all things considered, I'm kind of winding down my summer here. I'm the last one of these guys to you know, start working nine to five. I've had this whole summer off. I'll start this upcoming Monday. So I've taken this last week kind of relaxed, go to the range, play some golf, uh, basically not worry about anything work-related until next week. And I don't know, just kind of been chilling. So I'm doing pretty well. Could be better if the Irish are playing, but overall, you know, 8.5. That's, that's, that's awesome to hear, Alex. Yeah, very happy for you, D. Uh, I'm not going to give it a number, a number grade, but uh, I, I, I'd, I'd echo a lot of what was said so far. It's, uh, it's been nice. I'm, I'm home back in New York for the week, um, which has been great. Got to get some golfing with some buddies uh, that I haven't seen in a long time, so that that was awesome. I was play Beth Page, Ooh. which was, uh, which is a nice, which was a pretty, which is a pretty nice track. Um, and then, yeah, I think I would be much more excited if, if I had Notre Dame football to turn on at, at, at mid at, at midday at noon on Saturday, but. With a really fun slate coming up, we're through hump day. Got Thursday and Friday to go to the weekend. Uh, I'm excited. I think I'm doing pretty well, all things considered. Can't, can't, can't really complain. So, Ellie, thank you for the question. Um, I'm going to go – actually, this is one from one of our anonymous listeners, uh, Retro Sports Guy on Twitter. Um, it's going to be the question he asks, what will it, or he or she asks, what will it take for Brian Kelly to fully embrace his – I'm tired of being a nice guy coming from his half game or um, his halftime speech from the game this past weekend. I'm tired of being a nice guy mantra and rocker leather Jack on the sideline. Hashtag I wish we green hashtag Kelly wears black. A great question from the listener. Yeah. Shout out to retro sports guy. This is a good one. Um, I thought, you know, I, I didn't actually hear that line. till I think it was circulating on Twitter after the game. I'd had a few beverages uh, since the game of them. So when I heard this, I was just fired up. That's something uh, that I really – we haven't seen out of Kelly a whole lot. He's always has his calm demeanor at halftime. That's something that I think this team's missing. It's that next step. Uh, you know, I would love to see it come out November 7th at 730. I don't know. That could be the game of the year. We can't be nice and play Clemson. They won't be nice. We got to bring it. I uh, I think what, what's it gonna what's it gonna take? I think it may take a few more fifty burgers on yep. some unsuspecting uh, lower level competition. I think that'll help with getting Kelly to wear a black leather jacket on the sideline. Uh, but it also completely relies on showing up and uh, and play and playing playing the games of our lives. Uh, on on that Saturday in November when Clemson comes to town, uh, got to be got to be ready to go for that. I'm gonna add a little addendum here. I think I think Kelly's gonna blow up one of these times at halftime and uh, con- continue this message. I think it might come in that three game stretch where it's South Florida, Pitt, Louisville, 
or not South Florida, Florida State. And I think one of those games we're going to come out flat in the first half. Don't know when to be. Probably Pitt because that's yeah, I'm going to say Pitt. Pitt. I'm going to say Pitt. Tough D line. Yeah. And he's going to blow up into this, these guys. And I think that's going to be the turning point for this Irish season when we're trying to get back on track. So, yeah. And I'll also add real, real quick to that. I, I, internet, like this is not the most serious of questions where, you know, when's Brian Kelly going to wear a black leather jacket on the sideline? But what I, but the mentality is what I'm just going to touch on. I like when South Bend is a hostile place yes, to play. I don't think we've, I don't think we've always seen that. It's been some time before since we've seen that. Um, I think, Making the visitor the visiting tunnel to locker room one and a half people wide was a really good start. Um, I think that, but I, I would love to see South Bend be a hostile environment, and that would that would play right into right into Kelly getting that black black leather jacket. Yeah, um, I think I think we need a viral meme or gif of Kelly being an asshole to a reporter. We need a, a Nick Saban quit asking video of so people understand. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not. I'm tired of being the nice guy. We need you to routinely be a mean guy. I think this whole purple face, Brian Kelly yelling his quarterback, I think kind of got into him. He found his chi, started doing yoga and stuff. And now he's way too calm. Kelly, nothing's stopping for you from being the nice guy, dude. Just be an asshole one time and go viral for it. And then nobody's going to expect you to be nice. Let him, let him chew out Collins. Exactly. Jack, he can handle it. He can handle it. (laughs) I think Jack would be taken aback, but it would be kind of funny. Do we have a, guest for our next I question think, i think or... we, we do have a guest for next question um she's gonna read one of her own questions here let me pull it up and this is our listener madeline from chicago Illinois. okay would you guys rather so the question is that you have to lose your spine but you get to choose when it happens you can either lose it when you go out to dinner every time you go out to eat or every Friday night. So think you're a wriggling mess with no spine. Yeah, Where so would you prefer it to happen? To, to clarify this question for um, our listener, Madeline, is this like you have no guts, like you don't have any courage, or you just are literally a floppy you mess? You don't have a physical backbone. You can be so courageous, the most courageous, but you have no physical vertebrae in your body. This kind of describes me on some Friday nights. <laughs> I don't know when I've had for CJ's or something. I've had a bit too much of my pitcher to drink. Uh, yeah, you can say that sometimes the way I look like when I dance, I don't have a spine. It's silky smooth, though. Yeah, it's smooth. It's smooth. You know, you get a little more wiggle. Uh, I'm going to have to go with uh, Friday nights because. I think if I was out at dinner with a pretty girl, um, you know, I, I would really hate for something to happen and I just bend over backwards and I can't talk to her. So, yeah, I'm going to go with my usual habit of dancing like I'm spineless every Friday night. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go opposite. I'm going to say dinner. Uh, I think that um, I'd rather be, I'd rather be put together when I'm, uh, when I'm spineless rather than, out, out and about, not maybe exactly knowing where I am when when I don't have a spine. So I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with dinner rather than yeah, Friday night. This one's this one's easy for me, just because at dinner you're provided a chair, you're provided a support system, so you can just sit down and flop, flop back on it. Um, for for all our listeners out there, we are visually doing what we think that would look like 
at dinner, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with dinner. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you had five guys or uh, Ruth Chris, as long as you provided a back spinal support, I think your flabby back can do it anyways. All right, uh, I think we'll do one more round. Then call it. Ooh. Yeah. All right. All right. No, hold so on, hold on. Let's let's do two more. I, I'll have one. I have one after this one. Okay. No. Yeah. Okay. So this one is uh from Henry Belton from Chicago, Illinois. I guess he's now in uh, Connecticut now at Beltsky on Twitter. He asks, "When Phil Jerkovic wins the Heisman, will Domers be more happy for him or more angry at Brian Kelly?" Yeah, I'll start off here. Um, if if uh, Jerkovic wins the Heisman, good for you, Phil, dude. Good for you. Um, this one's a pretty answer, easy answer for me because that's like asking if I'm going to be happy for the pig when it flies. I mean, it's just not going to happen for our <laughs> Phil. He, he, you, don't, you don't leave South Bend to go win a Heisman in Boston. Oh, yeah, just not how it works. If he wins it, good for you, Phil. Um, and if he wins it, we'll kind of give Kelly the pass because, you know, sometimes you miss and you let, you, let, you let the good one get away. I'm in that camp as well. I didn't. Uh, it became pretty. Uh, I'll say that if he wins, a, if he wins a Heisman in, in, in Boston, good for him. That's fine. Uh, I don't think people should be upset with Kelly. I don't. I think it's clear that it wasn't going to work in South Bend. So I'm glad each each party went their own separate way. Um, and if he has that much success, more power to him. Good for him. But I'll, I'll go with uh, I'll go with people should be happy for Jerk Vic rather than Matt Kelly. I think they're going to need a guy who runs a three nine forty in Boston for anybody to catch one of Dragovic's passes because he just airs it out. Yeah. You get it, you have an arm, dude, but your receiver's thirty yards short of where you just threw the ball. But good luck to them. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Good luck to Phil. You know, it's obviously what he wanted didn't really work out here in South Bend. Fine, you know, you're not going to win a Heisman in Boston unless like, it's just not going to happen. So. All right. All right. You got next one? I got the next and final one. Well, we're going to go to a question coming from uh, another uh, fellow Long Islander, uh, Jack McGovern, a.k.a. Pennybags. Um, I thought this was an intriguing question after watching what he did to punters this week. Uh, Pennybags asked over under on one and a half career targeting ejections for Patella. Honestly, I'm probably going to – so I think we get three years of Botello after this one, maybe. And I'm I'm going to take the over just because I think it's not going to be like terrible plays where he's trying to take the dude's head off. I think it's going to be kind of those interpretation of the rules. Oh, contact above the shoulders to the quarterback, something like that. Not him, you know full-on, unblocked, just spearing him in the face mask type hit. I think it's just it's a result of the way he plays the game. That's kind of you know how I almost want him to play. If he's holding back on that, he's not going to play at the level he's capable of, which is very high level. I think we all saw the potential he has. He had a couple of QB hurries in addition to the touchdown he had. But, yeah, I don't want him to hold back. So I, th- I think I'll take the over. He'll miss a few chords. I think Julian Acquire yeah. a couple. Yeah, you know? I, I- – I'm with you. I think I think I'll take the over there too, just because it's just easy to accidentally get a targeting call on you nowadays. College football, um, it kind of sucks for a lot of people. Like yeah. people who had it in the second half of the bowl game last year had to miss the first half of their game this year, which just, just it just kind of sucks. Um, so I think he might. What happens to a, what's up? What happens to a, what happens to a Mac player? I, I think they, they <laughs> face that punishment. 
Yeah, I mean, he, he's just going to stumble into a couple, I think. So, uh, if anybody's answer your question, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the over there, unlike I did with the uh, last week game. Short and sweet. I'm going over. All right. All right. You want, let's, let's make, make some, some money. Picks, yeah. Yeah. If we didn't get to your guys' question as well, um, we have another podcast coming out next week. It's sandwiched between two buys. We'll probably honestly give even more time to Q&A. So don't worry. We'll get to it eventually. We just want to move on to our picks. Get out of here. So, Tom, you got the spread for us this week? Sure. Okay. So the uh, so we're going to change up the picks a little bit this week, given that the Irish aren't on the board. And I think we kind of cha- we try to change the uh, change it up overall. So we're going to go with we're going to go with five games that we're all going to pick, and then we're going to have one lock of the week. Um. So I'll so we'll start we'll start first. These lines came off of FanDuel about an hour before we started recording. Um, that was Wednesday night. So just be mindful that these could these could possibly change. But we're gonna go we're gonna roll with those lines that I pulled off of FanDuel. Um, the first one we're going to look at is Florida State at Miami. Miami's favored by 10.5 points. Um, I'll go first on this one. This line moved since we looked into it. Um, I like Miami here. I think Florida State still um, – I know we talked about how Georgia Tech showed out, and it might be more that Georgia Tech was good rather than Florida State was bad. I still don't think Florida State was good, and Miami impressed me. Um, I don't think Florida State can hang here. If Miami does what they should do, they should win by – 14 and I like the 11 and a half. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to take Florida state for no reason, you know, not no reason, but no other reason than that. This is a rivalry game. I think 11 and a half or 10 and a half is just a huge spread for that. We saw that with Notre Dame USC last year. Uh, one, I think Miami played a little above their heads last week against Louisville. I think Florida state has a better defense in Louisville. They have some corners to Sante Samuel juniors. Good. Along with Marvin Wilson on the D line. I think they'll be able to do a little more to slow Derek King. Uh, also, I think you know, getting that first game under use huge under a new coach. I think Mike Norvell's going to settle in a little more. So I'll go with the Seminoles. I think a rivalry game. I think that spreads a little big. So okay, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna use the rivalry logic as well, but I'm gonna use it in the other direction. I think that they cover this uh, no problem. I think that Miami looked that good against a really good Louisville team last week, and I think Florida State's a pretty bad football team overall. Um, and I think the fact that it's a rivalry game means that uh, Miami's not going to take their foot off the gas. If they have the chance to pour it on against an in-state, in-state hated rival, I think they're going to do it. So I'm going to take the, the, the Hurricanes uh, to win by a few touchdowns, definitely more by, the, more, by more than 11 for sure. Uh, the next spread we got is the Tennessee Volunteers traveling to Columbia, South Carolina to take on the South Carolina Gamecocks. And the, the Volunteers are favored by three and a half. Yeah, I – I hated that this moved to three and a half. I liked it at three. Um, Three and a half. I still, South Carolina's got a new quarterback. Tennessee was better the last time we saw the two of these teams play. We haven't seen any of them this year. I'm going to go with Tennessee, three and a half, but I feel like that half point might burn me. Yeah, this is a game where I – this is the one this week where I was just most stuck just because it's a lot of of new pieces down South Carolina. Didn't see a lot of Tennessee last year, although they did end the season well. But basically Tennessee the last decade or so has started the season horribly for whatever reason. Last year they dropped – I forget who they dropped against, but it was like Georgia Southern, some garbage opponent. So – 
and and getting that getting getting that extra half point also instead of being minus one or whatever yeah mi- minus one ten on both sides, it was minus a hundred and or just a hundred and then plus one twenty in South Carolina South Carolina's favor. Either way, South Carolina was had a little advantage there, and that made me more inclined to pick them to cover the three and a half. So, so Donna's got Donna's got the game cocks. I got the game cocks. All right, uh, I'm going to go with Tennessee. Uh, I think, I think uh, this is a this is a real good litmus lit, uh, lit test for them. They're coming as the 15th ranked team in the country, I believe, uh, which is interesting. You just have to keep in mind that the Big Ten's also not in, not in the polls yet either, um, so that may affect it. But I I hope that I think that the difference here in the game is South Carolina's got a, a brand new quarterback. I uh, think things could go awry pretty quickly, uh, but I also agree. I think this will be a pretty tight game. Um, I think the reason we picked, we added this game was because it was going to be so difficult. Um, but I, I still like the Volunteers going going on the road uh, to, to pick up the to pick up the win. Uh, but I am also extremely fearful of a half point burning uh, burning us burning Ian and I. Uh, I think that line moving from three to three and a half was uh, was was tragic, and, and I, I hope we don't get burned. Tragic on, on is Saturday. a good word for that. I cried for a couple hours. Yeah. All right. Next game. Uh, so so far, so far, Dono, Dono, and Ian and I, or Ian and I, are on the same page. Dono's on, Dono's on the off flip side. Uh, next game, Louisville travels to Pitt, uh, and Pitt is home favorites minus two and a half uh, from uh, from from Pitt. What do you guys think? I wanted to pick Louisville. I wanted to pick Louisville very bad, um, but Pitt is good defensively, and I think although Pitts struggled to score the ball against a pretty bad Syracuse team last week, if Louisville can't move the ball, they're in trouble. Um, so I think if Pitts' defensive line holds up as they should, they still I, – I agree with them being favorites here, and it being less than a, a, a three-point three spread, I like. So I'm going to go Pitt, two and a half. Yeah, see, I, I, I see this game the same way you do, just that Pitt's offense really struggled against Syracuse. And while Louisville does have a bad defense, it's probably pretty close to what Syracuse is putting out there. I think they're a little worse. But also, I think Louisville, I think there's just too many playmakers on offense to be held down again. I mean, they still put up, well, they put up 34 put up, against Miami. Yeah, so I, I think 34 is going to be enough to beat that Pitt team. Uh, so, and I think especially, you know, I think they, so it's plus two and a half now. I wish it was still at three, but, uh, I, I think they're able to cover that. I think I'm taking Louisville. It might even play some money bet on them. I'm sorry. No, Don, Don, it's, uh, Pitt's favored by two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Louisville's plus two and a half. Yep. Yep. All right. Awesome. So you got Louisville. Okay. I have Louisville. Uh, I am also taking the cards on the road as, as road dogs. Um, I think that. Like Donald mentioned, I think they have too many weapons. Uh, I think they got a lot of speed, which Pitt has seen none of so far. Um, so I, I think the speed will be a, will certainly be a pretty good test for this Pitt defense. Um, yeah, I got I got the I got the cards. I like them. I like them uh, this weekend. I also think that one thing one thing to take note of is yes, they got beat down by Miami a little bit, but uh, they also had early they uh, they settled for field goals instead of touchdowns. Um, if they score touchdowns on those drives that they that they kick field goals early, I think that's a way different game. So hopefully this week I'm just betting on them being able to turn their turn their red zone 
red red zone drives into into better points. Um, so I'll, I'll take the cards on the road. Donner's sticking to his word and just fading me. That's why he's letting me go first. Yep. Everything I say. Is <laughs> no, I, if you see my sheet here, I have all those picks written down. Uh, interesting one here. We got um, you got the Army Black Knights traveling to Cincinnati to take on the Bearcats. The Cincinnati Bearcats are 13 and a half point yeah, favorites. This one also is a tough move because it was at 14. I loved it at 14. The, the half point move is uh, is is tough. Um, Army's been dominant, though. I know they play bad teams, but it's tough to see a dominant team 13 and a half point dogs. Um, I'm not completely sold on Cincy yet. I know they're always a good team and they're tough, but Army's a tough team, too, and I think they'll fight and they'll probably still lose the game, but I'm going to take, I'm going to take them to cover 13 and a half. Yeah, I think 13 and a half is a big spread. Like, if I had to pick a score, I would have put it at 14. But also, you look at Luke Fickle when he was at Ohio State. He was running the defensives there, and they played Navy a few times. And these are Navy teams that we saw, you know, put up big numbers against Notre Dame teams. I think 2016, they even beat Notre Dame. And Fickle, when he was the defensive coordinator there, was able to shut them down almost completely, even on some of the better teams Navy had. So I think he knows how to coach against the triple option. I think seeing how oh, – oh, shit, this is Army. So, yeah, not they're not playing Navy, but he knows how to play against say. the triple option. Um, I was a little yeah, confused. I was talking, about, talking about Navy for too long, but it's the same concept. He's playing against the triple option. And because of that, I think that – I just don't think Army is going to be able to score to keep up. Cincinnati, they have a third-year starter coming back at quarterback in Desmond Ritter. Uh, I think they just outscore Army. Honestly, in this game, I think they win by 14. And- yeah, so I got the uh, I have the, I'm going to take the Black Knights in this game. I think that uh, I think Cincinnati's a pretty good football team, but I think just Army's Army's good enough and uh, good enough to slow the game down enough that they keep it close. I still think Cincinnati wins the game, but I could see it being more of a more of a 10 point game uh, and closer to that range rather than being a two touchdown game. I just think that Ar- Army's able to slow the game down enough that to limit Cincinnati's possessions and, and, and to keep the game a little bit closer than, than two touchdowns. So I got, I got the Black Knights. All right. We got next. next last Final last one game we're all picking. Last game we're all going to pick. We got the Kentucky Wildcats going down to Auburn to play the Auburn Tigers. Auburn at home favored by seven and a half. Yeah, this, got- this line moved a ton back towards Kentucky um, from where it was. Yeah, it did. Which I don't know. I – this one was tough for me because I, I liked Kentucky a lot when it was there, and then it moved back, and you know, Bo Nick. It was a ten and a half. Yeah, at the so of the it's week. moved a lot. Um, I'm going to take Kentucky to cover that seven and a half. Um, that half point over a touchdown is big for me. Um, again, Auburn lost 15 starters from last year's team. They do have Bo Nix coming back, but 15 starters is a lot on both sides of the ball um, combined. And you know what? A little. Little research here showing me that the weather doesn't look great. So if Bo Nix can be neutralized a little bit, uh, Kentucky can hang in there because they're a good football team as well. They got Terry Wilson coming back. If he can settle in after a, a missing a year from a knee injury, um, I think they should be able to hang with Auburn, and uh, I think they should cover the seven and a half. Yeah, Ian, someone's making a huge swing in the standings this week. Let's go, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just think. Top to bottom, Auburn did lose a ton, but I think it's more of a talent thing. I think Kentucky's had you know a good last few years here, and they've had Benny Snell and a few other players 
But overall, I think it's kind of been catching lightning in a bottle, especially last year. I mean, they literally ran the ball every play. I don't think that they can do that. I think with the SEC starting so late, you've given more time for these Auburn players to get acclimated. And in essence, they've had a longer camp. I mean, they've been starting, they've been practicing, been back on campus since June and practicing since August, really. Uh, so I think that they have had more time to get things going. I think they just have more talent overall. So, and I love the spread moving down. Gives me a little cushion, a little bit. There's not much difference between seven and ten, but I think they'll cover the seven and a half. War damn eagle. <laughs> All right, so I'm riding with Ian again. Come on, I got the, I got the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, yeah, Ian, Ian, we're, Ian, we're gonna sink yep. or we're gonna swim together. It's gonna be it could it, it potentially get ugly here. Uh, but I'm gonna take the Wildcats. I think that Auburn gotta be overrated. I think Kentucky just gets the gets the benefit here of. Hey, nobody thinks you're going to win this game again. Um, you know, that, that they that they that's an edge they take into a lot of games. Um, and yes, they, Kentucky may have been cashing lightning in a bottle, but I think that that lightning continues. Uh, I will take the Wildcats on the road, um, and wouldn't wouldn't hate depending on what the value looks like a little money line sprinkle either on, on the Wildcats. Maybe a good chance to go in and, and, and upset all of them. So there you go. All right, everyone, want to give me their locks of the week. All right, so real quick, I'm going to go with Bama, minus 27 and a half. Um, yeah, <laughs> all right, I guess, I guess we're not – you're not to- – I, 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 You're not – I have the same – You're not – I'm on Bama minus You're not totally yeah. fading me. Um, it just – I just would not be – who are they playing, Mizzou? Yeah, I just would not – Use my thanks, fellas. I don't. I don't want. Uh, I don't want to be Alabama's first game of the season. Okay, after after an off season where they didn't win the ship and they're going to come out angry and twenty seven and a half. I would take it at thirty five, maybe. <laughs> yeah, Bama, Bama was supposed to open against USC. I would have taken twenty seven and a half against USC. Um, yeah, I, I, we. I'm glad uh, yeah, we that's agree nice. on this that's, one. We, we got something to root for together. All right. Yeah, that means it's so I'm really, cool. yeah, it's I'm really happy for you guys on that. Uh, I'm going to go elsewhere. I'm going to go the Texas Longhorns are traveling to mm. Lubbock to take on Texas Tech Red Raiders. I like Texas minus 18 and a half. Um, I think they're, they've are they they've shown that they're, they're willing to put up points. Um, I think the rest of the pack, the rest of the Big 12 is pretty weak um, outside of the class of it, which is Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, I think Elliger, Elliger, probably, probably a low scoring game there too, right? Don't you think so? Yeah. I'm gonna, yeah. And, and if the over under is short of a hundred, I think, I think you're insane. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I think, I think Ellinger, Ellinger really, really starts his Heisman campaign, get going in conference play here. Um, and, and the Longhorns will cover 18 and a half. All right. Well, so that's yeah. pretty much all you got. So instead of watching Notre Dame, you guys got any big plans for Saturday? Um, I get to hang out with uh, children from the age of 11 through 15 and watch them uh, get a lot better under my tutelage playing the beautiful game of soccer. Sounds like a blast. Uh, it will be. Yeah, I think uh, I think I'm just going to – this will actually be kind of nice because I'll get to – I don't have to – I mean, I love spending my three and a half hours directly with Notre Dame, but it will also be nice to – to flip around uh, and watch and watch multiple games at once. So I don't think I'll just have my feet up and, and, and get to watch uh, the SEC come back, which I'm looking forward to. That's big. Any for you, D? Yeah, I think uh, – yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the uh, noon hour, probably around there, play around the golf, then settle in around 3.30 or so, watch the rest of the games, then uh, 
Uh, nighttime, watch the nightcap games and uh, turn on UFC. I'll probably have some good money riding on those fights. I like Adesanya and UFC. Well, let's uh, let's ha- let's have a weekend, yeah. fellas. Yeah, and listeners, thanks for the questions. Yep.